Welcome to Charlie's Toolbox, the only podcast that teaches you how to be the main character in your life. Here, you can find all the tools and skills you need to decenter men, center yourself, and feel good about your life. Here's your host, researcher, observer, and marketer, Charlie Taylor. Hello, hello, hello there, and welcome to this week's episode of Charlie's Toolbox. This is now a space to learn more about you, and I am your host, Charlie Taylor. Last week, I had a break, but this week, I'm back with part two, and I'm still trying to figure out my schedule. I'm not sure if it should be three weeks on, one week off, and my exhaustion could possibly be because I'm still in school, and I should be done by the beginning of May, so shout out to me. I would love some feedback on what you guys would like regarding the pace of this podcast. So DM me on IG, Twitter, or Facebook. It's at Charlie's Toolbox. And if you want to reach out to me on my website, it's charliestoolbox.com. So today we are going to have a longer format that will be the new setup for our future episodes. The format would consist of three parts. Part one, a short segment about me, what's going on in my world. Part two, topics in the world that are piquing my interest and are worthy of discussion. Finally, part three, we will discuss the main topic in great detail, and then we will end with a summary of the lesson. So let's get started. Um, Some things have been happening in my life, in my world. I am in the final stretch of school, which is awesome. I've been in school on and off since 2008, and that is uh, a lot of fucking time. (laughs) And I am okay with not learning anymore. Um, I'm not going to go back into a formal institution. And if I want to learn something else, I'm going to go to YouTube or Coursera or just ask you guys if you know someone who, you know, can give me information on whatever it is I want to learn. I'm just kind of tired of the whole process. Uh, I had a good run and I think I'm done. Beyond that, I've been really feeling myself And I know it's because I am present, which is a really kind of like, it's a wild concept because I really hate hearing stuff like that. I don't like hokey, cheesy, spiritual stuff. And even though I am, you know, spiritual, I just hate that, like, you know, the chakras and the, I I don't know. I just feel like, ugh, cringe. But I do have to say I am present. And I am fully present in my life because now that I am in my body, in my mind, always in the moment, I see how colorful my life is. I have a super rich and fulfilling life. You know, I go to dinner. Last week I had a dinner with a friend and it was the day before his birthday. We had like a three hour long conversation and It was so fun. It was so engaging. We talked about our past, our future, and I just really love the people I surround myself with. You know, we go to free art shows just to see what people are doing. And in New York, it's it's really great because I feel like they always have a pulse on what's going on. Like they're always creative. They're always, um, you know, watching people, listening to society, listening to what's going on and interpreting that in their own way. 
I like to people watch on my stoop with my dog. I like to walk my dog. I like to visit people I love and, you know, go to their house. And it could be in-state, out-of-state, out-of-the-country. I always go to their house and I feel like we become a little family. I like to listen intently and intensely and genuinely get to know who these people are. Um, I do things like I ride my scooter around Brooklyn with my music on and my shades on and I have a good time feeling the wind in my face. I have friends who listen to me and randomly surprise me with gifts just because they saw it and they knew I would like it. I am well loved. I love well. And I say this all because if I stayed in my head like I've done for most of my life, I would not be able to see these little things that make life worth living. So I just want to give myself a shout out again to being present and seeing how delicious I live. And my advice for everyone is please reach for it. Like just reach for it. Reach for that thing that you want. Reach for that thing that you desire. Reach for your career. Reach for your friends. Just reach for those things that you know deep down in your heart would make your life more colorful, more interesting, more fun, more loving, more happy, more rich. Just reach down. Reach for it. And the reason why I say that is because when I lay down every night, I smirk with absolute pleasure because I am reaching for a life that I have imagined since I was a teenager. So um, along with feeling myself, um, I am really excited about music. Music has, especially the women, the artists, they have been really pushing some good quality art that is fun, that sounds good, with great visuals. And one artist that has been like for real catching my eye is Dochi. Um, I know that Doja Cat had mentioned her in an interview and I had seen some clips um, of a video that I really wasn't that uh, big, big of a fan of. I just felt like it was controversial for the sake of controversial. And, you know, that could have been because that's what she wanted to do. And that could have been like the objective. So I really don't have an opinion on that. But I heard a couple other of her songs and I was listening to some of her, I think her mixtape or EP. And she is really exciting. Like, she is really, really exciting. I haven't felt very lit up by an artist in a long time. And, like, the last time I felt this excitement was um, with Azalea Banks. And it's funny because she does kind of remind me of Azalea Banks. And I hate making that comparison. But it's it's just the out-of-the-boxness of it. It's the quality of work, the feeling. She's very diverse. And the type of music and genres that she can, you know, um, engage with. I think she's very forward thinking. And for her to just, you know, get started, I am excited to see where she is going to lead us. Um, She kind of feels, she feels like Azalea Banks and she also feels like Doja Cat as well. Like 
when you first heard some of Doja Cat's work, you're just like, okay, this is so out of the box. This is um, this is hip hop, but it's not hip hop. This is R&B, but it's not. You know, she's very out of the box. And um, I have a feeling that she's going to bring us. Dolce is going to bring us some very good quality work in visuals, and I'm excited. You know, she's a, a dark skinned black girl, very beautiful, very creative. Uh, she has a point of view, which I really like. So you guys give her a listen and let me know what you think. We are now going to pivot to part two, which are topics in the world that are piquing my interest or are worthy of discussion. So this week I read this article. It's a really great article, very short, called What My Toddler's Nom Noms Taught Me by Jesse Klein. And I reposted it on Twitter. And basically this article starts off with an idea that Elizabeth Gilbert from Eat, Pray, Love um, brought up in an episode, or I think it's a podcast episode with Oprah. And basically, she states that she was talking about this idea of the hero's journey. And if you're a writer and you watch movies or um, even TV shows, this journey is embedded in all of your narrative. And it's basically, you know, a person who is has um, uh, is, is not a complete person who tries to overcome something that is impossible to overcome and they do it, they leave the situation becoming evolved. Basically, that's what it is. Um, it's an archetype that, one that Elizabeth Gilbert was saying that we only often attribute to men. And the hero's journey is the man, he goes off to strange lands or a new career or something um, new, and the women are relegated to waiting at home or, you know, they're just never afforded the journey at all. They don't get to have that journey at all. And basically the article makes a statement or like a declaration that this idea of the hero's journey that's um, often attributed to men, often attributed to, you know, personal discovery or career or, you know, they're overcoming something. She makes the the claim or the the argument that uh, motherhood should be a part of the hero's journey archetype. And she states that the battle that mothers have where they gather all of their strength to do something so impossible as keeping their children healthy and alive is a hero's journey because they are gathering so much energy And they're doing something that is, from the description of other mothers, is damn near near impossible. And yet they're doing it. And they're coming out the other side of motherhood um, with more character, more skills, more evolved, stronger, uh, more confident. And she states that this is the hero's journey that should be uh, that we should at least incorporate in what our archetypes of the journey is. And the reason why I loved it so much is because it gave me 
really, really, really a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. It gave me so much compassion and empathy for my mother and for women who do motherhood. And and the reason why I like this, it's so many, okay, it's so many layers behind this, but I it gave me compassion, compassion for my mother because in the article, she states that in our most comfortable, relaxing, beautiful moments where we are being nurtured to the highest nurtivity. And I know that's not a word, but when we are being nurtured and we are being coddled and carried and all these things that, you know, babies do, our mothers are fighting this huge battle that is internal you know, they're trying to figure out how to be a mother, which is so complex. They're trying to find their identity and or rediscover their identity, which is so complex, especially when you have a child. They may have a partner who they're trying to navigate a whole new other relationship because this relationship is not what it used to be because you have children. And they're going through this internal battle while doing something that is the most like is that is hard and impossible to do which is motherhood and that right there like it brought so much compassion and a little bit of grief because it made me sad that my mom was battling so much and she kept it underneath because she wanted to make my life better. Like she hid it every day and she hid, you know, this struggle, this battle that she's going with, going through. Um, and she was able to battle and also give me and my siblings patience, kindness, selflessness. She was able to be loving, to show up at our basketball games or to show up at our, you know, cheerleading, you know, tournaments to do all these things for us. And she kept this, you know, huge battle underneath. And then she just it just reminded me of like that glacier analogy of the, you know, we see the top of the glacier, but we don't see the bottom or we only see a little portion of the glacier, but we don't see what's underneath the water, which is a huge thing. And I just thought about this huge battle that my mom have carried inside of her since birth to even till even now that we had to go through. Excuse me, guys. So I think you guys should really take a look. It's a very short article. Um, it's not comp- it's not written complex. It's not something that, you know, very flowery words. It's, it's to the point. It's sweet. But it really gave me a lot of compassion for my mom. I already had, already had compassion for my mom, but it just gave me a, a little bit of a different perspective of the type of battle she was facing while nurturing me my sister and my brother so great article check it out um now we should go to our next session and this section and this is part two i enjoyed part one but i think part two is even better and we are 
talking about how to get back to yourself. So part one, we we discussed the art of getting back to yourself. I asked you to acknowledge that, first of all, you're in a pandemic. So it's really even it's really difficult to even get back to yourself because you are in a global pandemic and we really don't see an end to this. And that may play a role in your discontent or not feeling like yourself. I asked you to love your routine, but also make space for spontaneity. Um, Sometimes when you're in a routine, it can get you in a rut. So a little piece of spontaneity can disrupt, you know, your day-to-day routine and jolt you into some joy, some happiness and see that life is more than this box that you created for yourself. Um, I realize that routines can make your life feel great, but also sometimes if it's if you don't give yourself that freedom, it may make your life feel dull. Finally, the last point for part one was win small, because when you win small, it feels like a jolt. And sometimes you need that jolt to make you feel good, to make you feel like you, to make you feel like, dang, you know, I got it. I feel very groovy. I feel good. I feel, you know, I'm in my mode. Part two, we are going to discuss your thoughts and your environment. And there are particular ways they hinder you from feeling and being who you are or who you want to be. So let's get started. Um, My first point is sometimes... You stop being yourself because you are creating stories about what other people are thinking and what they feel about you. And what I mean by that is that most of your behavior is dictated by a story you tell yourself and not necessarily what makes you feel good or present in the moment. And I know you're like, Charlie, what what does that mean? I usually choose what's good for me. I do. Let me give you an example. You go to a party and no one else is on the dance floor and you hear a song you really like and you want to dance, but you don't. Instead, you decide to wait. You know, you wait until the dance floor is crowded or you stand on the side and you wait to see if everyone else is dancing and enjoying it. And that's when you are going to join in. Now, the question is, why is that? You want to dance, you like the music, you can dance, why aren't you doing what you want? And the reason is, of course, anxiety. We know that that may be the hindrance, but more specifically, social anxiety. And what's behind that social anxiety is the story you created about what everyone around you is thinking about you. If you dance, what will they think about me? And the problem with that is you haven't danced yet, but you are already making yourself, you're creating a story for yourself and you already made yourself out to be the butt of someone's, of a random person's joke. And the question is, how can you be yourself when the voice of so many ghosts, so many people who you don't know, who have no impact on your life, are dictating your moods and your actions. It's very hard to be yourself when you create a story, a narrative of ghosts, random people who are telling you or who are critiquing you. 
How can you be yourself when you're busy interpreting someone's actions, moods, and then determining your behavior based off of them, based on them? So you see someone frown and the story in your head is like, dang, they mad at me. How can I cheer them up? But you don't know if that's true. You just are guessing. And when you are storytelling and you constantly have a story about what other people think and how they're feeling, what their moods are, or how can you cheer them up, how can you make them feel better, um, that thinking is very exhausting. It's exhausting and it keeps you in a box that you might want to live outside of. You know, you may want to do something uh, wild or extravagant, but you have this story narrative in your mind that other people are going to judge you and it keeps you in this basically this prison it keeps you away from things like freedom liberty joy authenticity it keeps you away from those things so when you are thinking and creating stories you can do one or two things you can stop because it's your mind and you are in control You can stop because you really don't know what people are thinking, or you can use your mind the same way, but with different results. So instead, you know, your mind is making up a story instead of making up a story where you are the butt of someone's joke or you are made to feel like shit. You can use the same skills in a different direction and believe that everyone thinks you're the shit. Yeah, everyone thinks you're awesome, brave, courageous, interesting, mysterious. Instead of thinking, oh, you know, this bitch is crazy. She's on the dance floor by herself. Like, what's wrong with her? Why would she be out there? She looked like a lame, you know, things like that. Use the same skill that you've been using, but use it in a different direction. Part two, and this is 2A. Don't let your past control your capacity or capability. This is my favorite one. Um, And I I really like this point. Do you ever dream? And when you're dreaming, there's a voice that comes inside your head and says, you know, how can you be that when you've done so much of filling the blank with something you're ashamed or embarrassed of? That voice not only sucks, but it's wrong. Because first of all, Who said you had to be perfect to get, win, live, be, or do anything? Like, that's a rule that you you created. That's a rule that you created because if you look at any person who has the thing that you want, you will see that they are flawed. They are just as flawed, just as human as you, and yet they have it. They have the thing you want. They have the, the experience you want, the personality you want. They have these things. So those rules are rules that keep you in prison and stop you from taking steps towards whatever it is that you are going towards. And they can be released at any time. So you have to decide to continuously let it go. Let it go. You don't need to be perfect to get anything. Quite frankly, there's no one perfect, but there's a lot of people receiving a lot of stuff. Okay? To be. 
if you are constantly thinking, I can't have something because I did something stupid or something I'm ashamed of or embarrassed or whatever it is, you got to start working on your shame. You got to work on it because you still feel guilty for living life and it's weighing on you. It's weighing on you so much that you can't even be yourself. You can't even get back to yourself because you are constantly circling the story, that past incident, and you're feeling ashamed about it. And I need you to think about shame like this. And I think and I need you to think about shame and life like this. Okay. Would you hit a child or scream at them for not knowing how to use a microwave. And now you're like, wait, what does this have to do with anything? Follow me, follow me, please. Would you hit a child or scream at them for not knowing how to use a microwave? And the answer is no. If you're a decent person, no. You wouldn't yell at them because they're a kid, they didn't have the knowledge on how to use one. No one taught them how to use it. They have no experience in using it. So they're just kind of guessing and trying, pushing buttons. They don't know what you can put in a microwave. If you can put metal or aluminum, they don't know those things because no one taught them. So they just kind of trial and error in it. And once they learn, once you teach them, you know, You wouldn't remind them once a day, twice a day, three times a day, five times a day that before they didn't know how to use a microwave and they were so bad at it. They sucked at it. And because they don't know how to use a microwave, they are a bad person. You would never do that. You wouldn't say, oh, you know what? You fucked, you, you fucked up on using the microwave so bad, you can never learn anything new because look how bad you screwed up this microwave. You'll never be anything because of it. You will never do anything right because you fucked up using this microwave and this microwave is so easy to use. How could you not know how to use this thing? You would never say those things to a child. Because you would give that child grace and compassion. You know that this hypothetical child never learned how to use a microwave. So they were just trawling in there and they didn't know what you can or can't put in there until someone taught them. So, you know, they were just they were just trying. They were just trying because they really want to know how to use the microwave and you can't fault them on misusing it or using it wrong. So you will give that child grace and compassion. So if you will give this hypothetical child who did not use a microwave grace and compassion, why can't you give yourself the same grace and the same compassion as this child? Because like the child with the microwave, You have no experience. You didn't have the knowledge at the time. You didn't know how to do this. And many people around you either taught you the opposite, the wrong thing, or something that is not in favor of you. And this was a lesson that you failed at. 
quote unquote failed at. You are just like this child. You're, you walked into something you didn't know, you had no knowledge of, and you gave your best shot considering you were ignorant in the truest sense of the word, and you made a mistake while doing something you've never done in your life. So like the child who never used the microwave, you give yourself grace and compassion. You didn't know. You didn't know at the time. You didn't have no knowledge. People around you was telling you stupid shit and you was using that stupid shit to guide your life. You didn't know. You didn't know. You didn't know how to choose yourself. You didn't know how to have confidence. You didn't know how to remove yourself from a man who is exploiting you, who is, you know, making your low self-esteem even lower. You didn't know, you didn't know how to date. You didn't know how to date now. You don't know how to date properly. You didn't know how to love yourself. You didn't have no examples of that. So, like that child, once again, you got to give yourself the same grace and compassion. Because like they didn't know, you didn't know. Another point that I... And this is something that I have to, that I've been developing the skill is um, learning the difference between gut feelings that signal danger and signal this shit is not for me versus gut feelings that are telling you to stop from taking a new adventure or taking a new step. We have gut feelings and I always say you Always, always, always need to trust your gut feelings. They protect you. Um, they keep you safe. They are always the signal that telling you that you are betraying yourself. Never ignore it. Never bypass it. Uh, people will gaslight you, but your gut usually tells you what's the truth. Okay. So that's that's the foundation. I, I definitely want you guys to always keep your gut feelings and always listen to it. Um, but there is a different type of gut feeling. And it's a gut feeling that's not necessarily a life force. And it doesn't really tell you the truth. And it doesn't really push you in the right direction or warn you or tell you something's off. It is a gut feeling that tells you don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that because you're going to fail. Don't do that because, you know, this isn't your comfort zone and I'm uncomfortable. Don't do that. A gut feeling that tells you don't do that, it would be easier and more comfortable to stay where you are at. Despite your despair, despite your desire to be something else, to live a different life, to feel differently, there's a gut feeling that say, oh, no, no, no. Don't try to change your patterns or your habits. Stay here. Please stay here. This is comfortable for me. And you have to distinguish between these different gut feelings. You have to distinguish between these gut feelings. If your gut feeling is saying it's too hard, do you really want to do that? Or you think you're capable? You got to shut that down. You have to disarm it. 
you have to question it. When it says, will it be hard? You have to say, but what if it's not? What if it's easy? What, is it, what if it's fun, life-affirming? What if it brings riches? What if it brings friends? What if it brings love? What if it brings what if? What if it leads you to meet your hero or a new friend, a coworker, new boss? Gut feelings are great. Listen to it. Listen to it always, 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 always. But the gut feeling that tells you to choose yourself is different from the gut feeling that tells you to stop from trying anything new. And you have to differentiate which one is which. The next part that I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy and these these are like tips that I definitely use for myself. So, you know, I'm not just giving this to you. This is stuff that I have learned and developed to be an adult woman. <sighs> this last one is a big one because let me tell you something. I have had a chip on my shoulder for quite a while. So take the, sh- the chip off your shoulder. Self-help is a wonderful thing because not everyone has the resources and People give us the resources. They give us these books, you know, these videos, TikToks. They give us it for little to no money. However, on the flip side of that is self-help is also an industry. And because it is an industry, it does what a lot of industry does do. And that's keep you buying. They keep you buying. And how they keep you buying is they keep showing you that there is a problem. They, they create problems for you or they train you to find problems in your world when there may not be any. And when you're constantly finding and solving problems or constantly preparing to enact your boundaries or constantly preparing for war, you are no longer yourself. Instead, you are a warrior. And warriors, they aren't bad. Because sometimes you do need that. Sometimes you do need to step up and you need to tell someone you can't do that or remove yourself. You know, you you do. Sometimes there is an appropriate time and place to put your boundaries up to fight. Okay, But you can't always be yourself when you are ready, always ready and waiting to fight. Being in constant anticipation means that there is no peace where you're at. There's no joy where you're at. And there is no rest in that. There's no feelings of being at home by yourself as free as you want to be when you are constantly putting on the gear to fight anyone who slightly crosses you. That's not you. That is not you. But do you know who that is? That is someone who is afraid that they won't be able to be there from themselves. And I'll repeat that again um, because I added a couple words that probably shouldn't be there. But that is someone afraid that they won't be there for themselves. You put your armor on because you feel like, oh, man, you know, if I don't put my armor on, I may not protect myself and I might get myself hurt. If I don't and I, if I don't always, you know, look for a red flag, then I'm going to, you know, 
I'm going to fall for it and then I'm going to have to fight, you know, I'm going to have to battle them and tell them you can't do this. And you don't have to do that. You don't got to always be prepared to fight. You know you're going to be there for yourselves. You know that if a war, a battle comes, you know, you know, you know how to handle it. But that don't mean keep your armor on while waiting for it to happen. That means sit your ass in your, at your couch, on your couch, watch TV, relax, enjoy whatever it is that brings you peace. And if you notice that someone is, you know, um, trying to change your values, disrespecting your boundaries, trying to change your character, trying to lie on your character, then you can put your, then you can put your armor on. Then you can say, you know what, let me put my armor on and create these boundaries so that you know that you cannot get away with anything like this. You have to take that off your shoulders. You got to let it slide off your back. You will take care of yourself. You will. You will. You have nothing to worry about. You are going to take care of yourself because you know the knowledge now. Back then, you did not know the knowledge. You know it now. You are. You have all the tools you need. You know you're going to take care of yourself. You know you're going to be fair to you. You know you're going to figure out if something isn't right. You're going to decide to change directions. You know that. So you don't have to wait for the challenge. You don't have to wait. You don't have to look for things. You don't have to always be like, let me prepare for battle. Let me, you know, I know I'm dating a man, so let me, you know, constantly watch. You already, you got the tools. If he disrespects your boundaries, you know, take a step back. You already know how to do that. So just take that shit off your shoulders. You don't have to be a warrior 24-7. You can be a warrior when it is an appropriate time. All right? My next point, and this is one I'm still working on. Um, I, I, I have some places, but I'll, let me just say the point before I start rambling. Find places and people that allow you, you as you are, in your rawest sense, freedom. So let me explain this. Um, I saw this video and I really wish I knew the title and could find it. I was looking all throughout my Twitter likes and TikTok likes to try to find this video to credit this person. And I am sorry, I cannot find it. So forgive me. But basically it stated that um, a possible reason why introverts are tired is because they put on the mask when socializing. And... What that means is that when you interact with others, you create an identity that you think they want or that you believe is uh, right for the environment instead of being yourself. And I was thinking about that and I was just thinking like, wow, that is that is a lot of work. That's a lot of work that you're doing. You are predicting and calculating everyone's movement, ideas, their words to be what you think they like. And that's super tiring, but, but also that is not socializing. Putting on a mask to be what other people want is not socializing. That's not socializing. That's not, that's not giving you energy. 
stepping out of the house and being what you think others want, that's work. You already have a nine to five. If you're in school, you already have work. You already have work. So why are you stepping into the space where that's where you have the most freedom because you're not in school, you're not at your job. This is your own time. So why on earth would you use your own personal time, your own freedom to put on a performance? It doesn't work. It doesn't make sense. And it's tiring. So to address this really nasty habit that we all have, we all have it, we all do it. You need to understand and find spaces, places and people that will make you feel like yourself. And when you find these places, spaces, people, whatever, when you find this, you need to ask yourself uh, like probing questions. You know, what is it about them that allows you to be yourself? You should go to these spaces more. You need to find places that are similar to these spaces that make you feel like you are yourself. And like any muscle, the more you become authentic, the stronger that muscle will get and the more places, spaces and people you would decide to drop the mask and really enjoy yourself. So drop that mask. That shit is tiring. It really is. And I know, you know, for career and work, you got to do what you got to do. But for the most time, most part, your freedom, your off time, the time that you enjoy life, please be authentic and please be yourself. Because when you aren't, you're just adding on another job. Not only do you have your full time job, you got the job of being what other people want you to be. All right. And on that note, the next point is to stop compromising yourself. You know, the the last point is to to getting back to yourself and and it's about getting back to yourself and being yourself. You have to stop compromising yourself to do that. Like you know you wouldn't do that. You know you don't like that. You know you don't want to go there. You know you don't want him. You know, like you know these things. You know a lot of stuff about you. But sometimes when you read a lot of self-help and you see all these videos on TikTok, you think, oh, I don't know anything about myself. You know. You know you know some things about yourself. You don't live with yourself for quite a few years, and you know. I mean, it took you four years in undergrad to learn a new skill so that you can apply to a job and use this skill. If you can you if you can learn this skill in 4 years, I'm sure you learned a lot about yourself with with 20 plus years, okay? You know yourself. Stop being oblivious to your needs. Stop compromising your needs for others. You don't need to compromise to be liked. You really don't. And you got to think about it like this. If the only time you're like is when you you deny yourself, that is a very concerning relationship. Because what type of relationship thrives on that dynamic? 
It's always an abusive one, a violent one, exploitative one, uh, one-sided. Those are the type of relationships that thrive on that dynamic. And who ends up happy in that type of relationship? When you are constantly compromising yourself for someone else, who, who is happy? It ain't you. It's the one who is making you dance like a monkey so they can feel comfortable with whatever it is that they want to feel comfortable with. So you don't got to compromise yourself. You don't like that shit. Don't like it. You don't have to agree. Hey, I don't agree. And that's okay. That's just, that's my opinion. You know, you can do what you want to do, but this is my opinion. So uh, getting back to yourself or feeling like yourself is a great goal to have. It's an awesome goal to have. It feels so good to be you. It feels really great to like you. But also, if you are feeling like you, it's okay. Because we are in a pandemic and feeling bad comes with that reality. And you can opt in and have some good days. And you can use these tips on your good days to keep you going. Um, or you can take a break and give yourself some more time to feel odd. Because if that makes sense to you, that makes sense to you. Either way it goes, give yourself compassion and patience and really take care of you. Really take care of you and decide to be you every step of the way. So it's a really great feeling. The moment I stopped really doing things to be liked, doing things to be cared for, I found a lot of joy and pleasure. Like when I am myself, I have found really great friends, have had great experiences because now people are attracted to me as I am. And because I've been myself, I've been drawing a lot of people towards me. And the person who I think like embodies this authenticity, like being yourself and good things will happen to you is Saucy Santana. He is a person who is just himself and we all love him because of that. So on that note, take care of yourself. Get back to yourself if you can. If you can't, let yourself have some time to be odd. That's fine too. And reach out to me on um, Charlie's Toolbox. And it's at C-H-A-R-L-I-E-S Toolbox, T-O-O-L-B-O-X. That's on Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube. And if you can't reach me on those platforms, please reach out to me on charliestoolbox.com. The transcript of this podcast is going to be in the blog section of my website. It'll be labeled as transcript and it will have the title of this podcast. Um, I am also, I do also want to say that I will be coming out with a new ebook. It is awesome. It's not about relationships. It's not about men. It's not about recovering. It's not about heartbreak. It's about growing the fuck up. It's about growing the fuck up. I, in the last since 20, so I've been from 29 to 32, 
I have learned a totally new lesson about life and about growing the fuck up and about being myself. And I want to share that with you guys. I think we, a lot of people are struggling with growing up and they want to continue to blame others and um, not hold themselves accountable. So this is going to be a compassionate way to hold yourself accountable and to push you to growing the hell up. So you guys take care. For show notes, be sure to check out charliestoolbox.com. Follow Charlie on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Charlie's Toolbox.